it's Cape Ann Report, and I'm your host, Maureen Aylward. Our topic is the new police chiefs of Cape Ann, and here with me at the table is Chief Paul Francis from Essex, Chief Todd Fitzgerald from Manchester by the mm -hmm. Sea, and Chief Ed Connolly from Gloucester. Welcome to Cape Ann Report, everybody. Well, thanks, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Sure, it's wonderful to have you. I've been so excited about this show. Um, to kick us off, I thought I'd just ask you about your careers in policing because you've been in it for pretty much your your whole career. Mm -hmm. um, Ed, I'll start with you. How did you get started in, in <clears throat> police policing? Well, I was in the military uh, for a couple of years uh, when I was very young. My dad was a deputy chief on the Chelsea Fire Department, so being a firefighter in Chelsea was out of the question because I think he would have sort of honed in on me to prove that I wasn't getting any fair treatment. Uh, you know, he wasn't mistreating anybody else to benefit me. But, um, so I, I, policing seemed to be a natural uh, progression from being what I was doing in the military. Mm -hmm. I spent a little bit of time uh, working in the sheriff's department. Uh, started out Dare Island and moved to the South Bay facility, which is the um, House of Corrections for Suffolk County. Uh, and then I was hired by the Chelsea Police Department in 1994, and I rose to the ranks there until I became a lieutenant and um, took over the Manchester Police Department as a chief in 2016. And then just four months ago, uh, landed here in Gloucester. That's great. Well, congratulations on your new role. And um, Todd, what about you? Well, I think policing's been a uh, huge thing in my family throughout the years. I had a great-grandfather who worked for the Topsfield Police, and my grandfather and uncle worked for the Manchester Police. Uh, so I kind of grew up around the, uh, the uh, policing environment, and it was like a natural progression for me to get into this, this line of work. So mm -hmm. uh, 27 years ago, I started in the, in, the, in the police department, and in 1994, became full-time when the chief and I, Chief Connolly and I, went to the uh, police academy together. So I rose up through the ranks as a, a sergeant, then, then a lieutenant, and then I became the interim chief before Chief Connolly took over back in uh, 2016, and now uh, I'm taking over as chief. Uh, since Chief Connolly has uh, left for Gloucester. Wow, it's yeah. great, and congratulations to you. Yeah, thank and you. Chief Francis, you're the newest. I am the newest. <laughs> I was sworn in on August 1st. Um, and for myself, I have had wanted to be a police officer all my life. When I was younger, I wanted to be a police officer. Um, and so my parents had a friend, I'm from Gloucester, and my parents had a friend on the Gloucester Police Department. And they, he had been driving by our house one day, and they asked him if he'd take me for a ride. And I went for a ride in the Gloucester Cruiser, and I was hooked. Uh, although I did get sidetracked for a number of years. As I, when I grew up, I had a landscaping business for many years. And then a friend of mine got me back into Saugus Auxiliary. And then I went and I worked for Manchester Auxiliary until I moved over to Essex. I started as a reserve in Essex in 1995. In 97, I went full time. I became a sergeant in 2007, and here I am today sitting in front of you as the chief of police mm -hmm. in 2019. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's such a noble profession. And what would you say to folks who might be interested in this? I mean, is it, is it hard to get in to it? Do you have to have any, you know, do you have to have, to have a criminal justice degree? Do you, you have don't. to just, uh, like... I what, I mean, what do you tell people? I would, well, first and foremost, I'd say don't believe what you see on TV. Right. You know, I think uh, as entertaining as police shows can be, uh, my wife is addicted to law and order still, uh, but that's not real, really the job. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's a price to be paid by people who think it is because uh, it's just speaking particularly to women who might be interested in, in the career. I think there's a misconception that a lot of this is, you know, gunfighting and karate, and 
that's not it at all. Mm -hmm. You know, 95% of this job is exercising really good communication skills. Yeah, I agree with the, with the chief. Uh, uh, basically, I think if you want to get into this line of work, uh, you have to put in the time and effort, and you'll get what you uh, you know put into it. Mm -hmm. mm. One thing I would say, based upon my own experiences, is I would say, if you really want to be a police officer, which is a very noble career, this is more of a way of life than it is a, a job, to be honest with you. Don't give up. Uh, to be honest with you, I gave up for a while before I found a different way to get in but don't give up it is a great career and I wouldn't change it for anything in the world mm -hmm. well, what is a police officer uh, what does it mean to be a police officer to you you guys want me to take that <laughs> uh, Chief Fitzgerald what does it, means it mean to, to you be a member of the the way I look at it a member of the community that's there to help out all the time and, I, and you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to live in the community that I serve and uh, I find that uh, that's real helpful, you know, to me uh, when I deal with certain issues in town, and um, um, I feel that people feel comfortable coming to me because I've been there so long and, and mm -hmm. know the know the know the history, so to speak. Yeah. Well, policing on Cape Ann is also something that you do together, um, and you do apart. Yes. Uh, what does it mean to be the chiefs of police of, of Cape Ann? You know, how do you how do you work together? Chief Francis? Well, we have we do have collaborations that we do. Um, we we are involved in a behavioral mental health um, grouping, if you will. We're involved with uh, Beverly's involved, um, Ipswich and Rockport. Rockport. Us. And that's one thing that we work together on, and and it's been fantastic. We have a clinician that we work with. A, a couple of clinicians that we work with, and if there's a mental health issue that we're we're dealing with, look, we're not experts in that area. It's nice to have that person to fall back on, and I've had situations where I've had somebody with a mental health issue, and within 10 minutes, she's got a clinician's paper for me, and we're able to get this person evaluated. So that's one thing one thing we do together. Um, there's, there's a number of things. For example, for the parade and fireworks that we're having in Essex this weekend on the 9th and the 10th, Chief Fitzgerald is going to come over with um, one of his officers on a motorcycle and help us out with that. Uh, I can pick up the phone and call Chief Conley and ask him any different sort of question and what have you, and, and I'll get answers. It's, it's really good to have a situation. Yeah, we have to work together up here in Cape Ann. I mean, we, we have to share our resources, is what, what Chief Francis is, is referring to, and, and that's just one of many things that we share. But it's, you know, we have such a great collaboration because, you know, when the storms come, when, when winter's, you know, winter's coming and when it's here, you know, we all need to pool our resources to get the job done. And we, uh, I think uh, Chief Fitzgerald mentioned this earlier, we, we have different batch, patches, but that's not how we see it. Mm -hmm. It's, I call Todd, I call Paul. You know, I call John in Rockport. And that's the kind of, really, it's at that level. And we're always mm -hmm. looking to find synergies that we can make work together. Mm -hmm. I think the prior knowledge of us working together and knowing each other, you know, before we got in these roles is, is, a, is a huge factor in, in you know, in that. So. And, and the different uh, police officers and the departments, they also have an opportunity to meet each other and talk to one another and get to know yeah, each other? Yeah, all the time. I mean, we, yeah. we call each other, our departments will call each other all the time for a mutual aid situation. Mm -hmm. If there's an accident close to the Manchester side, then, then we'll call Manchester. If there's an accident close to the Gloucester side, and it's not just mm -hmm. accidents, but right. for example, with traffic situations and what have you, we, if we have to shut roads down, 
we all work together because we, we're basically, in a sense, we're kind of like one big community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've actually co codified that into a uh, memorandum of understanding that we have that allows our officers to exercise police powers in each other's communities under you know certain circumstances. Such as? So re really under any circumstance, if let's say a Gloucester officer uh, was you know, it happened to be going, coming back from an accident scene and heading down 127, but found themselves in Manchester uh, in that jurisdiction and observed someone driving erratically, say they're a potential OUI case operating under the influence, that Glosser officer is legally capable of conducting motor vehicle stop and mm -hmm. ultimately making an arrest. Now there's certain things that we have to make happen procedurally, but at, at the bottom line, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And it gets another example of how we pull our resources to accomplish right. our missions. Right, that's great, mm. that's great. Um, I wanted to talk about community policing and each of the communities obviously are a little bit different. I mean Rockport, uh, Essex and Manchester are smaller communities and Gloucester's a, a big city uh, with a lots, of, lots of different issues, but um, how are you do working on community policing and, and Chief Conley, I'll start with you. Well, so, you know, I'm new. Uh, so yeah. the first step in community policing is listening. It, it, and it's not the end of that. That's not something that that's not something that ends. It continues on and on. Mm -hmm. the, the primary, when people talk about community policing, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And a lot of chiefs say, "I do community policing." So what does it mean to you? So what it means to me is listen to the community. And every community has its own priorities. Now we all have certain things we have to agree on, like there are felonies that need to be enforced. But in some communities, you know, shopping carts in the, on the streets are the major concern for that particular neighborhood. In some communities, such as here in, in, in the summertime in Gloucester, beach traffic is a number one priority. It's not for the chief to come into a community and dictate what the department's going to focus on without any input from the community. In fact, when I leave here after this uh, show, I'm going over to Lanesville to meet with the mayor, uh, Jim Destino, and uh, Val Gilman in a group to listen mm -hmm. to what's going on in Lanesville and what are their mm -hmm. priorities and how can we problem solve together. Mm -hmm. Chief Fitzgerald. I mean, I think as part of our mission and the, and the, and the things that, the goals that we've set uh, when Chief Conley was there as we're uh, continuing on uh, moving forward with exactly listening to the public and uh, working with the, the uh, youth of the town and one of the things that we're uh, working on now, uh, Chief Francis and I, is the, is the SRO, which is School Resource Officer Program. Yes. And uh, that's one of the things that hopefully will be up and running it by, you know, late fall, mm -hmm. uh, you know, between the two departments and the school. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I mean, and that, that is something that's being vetted out right now between the two towns because we are a school district. We're in the same school district, and it's a valuable, valuable thing. I personally was a DARE officer back in, I believe I started as a DARE officer in 2000, and I tell this story all the time, and I'm sure people get bored with it, but... I, to this day, will run into people that remember me as a deer officer, and that's how they know me. And when, when it was announced that I was going to be the chief of police, and it was put on Facebook, I recall one of my former deer students said to me, said on, deer, on uh, Facebook, oh my God, he's my deer officer. He was my deer officer. I love him. And I mean, it's just stuff like that that just makes you feel good, and you realize you had an impact with pe on the children, the kids. And... That goes a long, long way. I, it just, 
reinforces how I feel about this career. So let's talk about school resource officers mm -hmm. and um, there are two in Gloucester that mm -hmm. work in the middle school and the high school so Correct. they float between them and Manchester and Essex as a regional school district you don't have um, a school resource officer over yeah. there. No, yeah. um, so uh, Chief Conley what has the school resource officer done for the community of, of Gloucester and being in the schools? So I, I've been dealing with well, experience with school resource officers since my time in Chelsea. Well, we started with none and ended up, I think they have five or six now there. It's an absolute home run. And school resource officers, when the right officer is selected for the job, for which they will be, there's actually a whole mechanism mm -hmm. in the law uh, that allows for a committee to include members from the school department to be in there on the selection process now. When the right person, the right officer is matched with that job, their job is to be a mentor for these kids. It's to get to the point to right. what Chief Francis said, a lifelong relationship to breaking down the stereotypes between the community and police officers. But also, it's to keep kids safe, of course, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And, and you know, that goes all the way from hopefully deterring any kind of uh, you know, violence or mass violence that might, be, might happen in a school, all the way to mm -hmm. a simple, hey, I hear there's gonna be a party at Singing Beach, yeah. you know, this weekend and allows us to get there before the kids get there and just stop a problem before it, it even happens. happens. And that's why the school resource officers are just, that's mm -hmm. their job. I think the misconception is that they come in there and their job is to catch kids doing things. Mm -hmm. And if a school resource, uh, school resource officer has to make an arrest, that's almost a failure. You know, we, could, we, mm -hmm. we have to take a look at that and say, what could we have done before the arrest was made? Uh, so that's it's, it's a home run. Mm -hmm. What are you hoping for while you're going through the discussions for the school resource officer and the hopes for uh, this person going into the schools? Uh, I'm hoping to build the uh, trust with the students. I think that's something we've we've lost over, over the you know the, the number of years because we used to have the Dare program just like Essex, uh, but once that was discontinued, I think we've lost that connection between the the uh, the upper grades, so to speak. So I'm hoping to build that trust back up where we have that, that relationship that someone may say, you know, geez, he was our SRO and, you know, have mm -hmm. that connection years down the road. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to, to build that relationship so they feel as the, the children feel as though they can come up to you and they can talk to you. Even in the worst of, situa of situations, they can come up to you and they can talk to you and they're comfortable talking to you. And like Chief Conley said, it's not about going in and making arrests and what have you. It's mentorship, it's guidance. And I think that's very important. Um, and it goes a long way towards also counteracting some of the things that they may see on TV or in the news about, about police officers because the majority of us are nothing like that. And, and for them to get to know us, they, they might look at us and say, you know something, he's nothing like that. Yeah, he I has children and he's, he goes to soccer games and what have you. you know? I think yeah. just to segue into that, uh, break, break down that stigma that uh, you know we're not like the big bad guy when we put the uniform. We're human beings and members of the community too. Well, yeah. I think media can um, you know foster and flame the mistrust of police and people who don't have the opportunity to engage with police officers on a regular basis or no one can have that fear um, of police officers. How, you know, listening is one uh, piece. School resource officers, and how do you how do you address that mistrust? And have you come across that in your communities? Well, I think here in Gloucester, you know, for the most part, the community supports the police department. Everywhere I go, I hear stories. And what's what's interesting is, you know, I have a 
I have a, a roster of the officers and it says, you know, where they live. And when I look at that, you know, about 85, I would say, maybe even 90% of my officers are from Gloucester. They're born, raised, still live here. Mm -hmm. That's unusual in a lot of police departments uh, in this state. So there is inherent support in that sense, but there also are questions. There are questions about the police department. There are, you know, uh, stuff that might have happened in the past that lingers around. And I think what's critical for any chief is to have a robust integrity system. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to call it internal affairs, whatever you want to call it. But the integrity system has to be something that's transparent and easily accessible. Well, tell, tell us about the integrity system and what that means and how, how like, our viewers can understand that that process is happening. Right. So it's, it's the idea of if you have a complaint, maybe you don't even know if it's truly a complaint or maybe you feel like, well, maybe I'm wrong. You know, you should always feel comfortable coming into a police station. I, I always say this when I meet with somebody who has a complaint or when I talk to somebody, they want to come in and give me feedback. I always say, you know, I've been a cop for almost 30 years, and when I walk into a police station, I feel anxious if I haven't been there before. You know, I feel anxious. So I always appreciate that anxiety, getting over that anxiety and still coming in. Mm -hmm. And some, we can't do everything to help somebody through that, but we want to make sure they understand that they're not going to be looked down upon. There's no retribution. I would have zero tolerance for any officer who took retribution on somebody for coming in to make a complaint mm -hmm. for anything. But it's also having a process that is public and transparent. And that's, that's, I think that's what works the best when you're trying to develop integrity within the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think part of that too is, is also the officers understanding that it's not about coming after them. It's also about, you know, proving them innocent, if you will. I mean, it, it could be the smallest complaint. He was rude to me up to something much more serious. Mm -hmm. But there's a process. The process has to, has to be done fairly. And I think if it's done fairly, everybody wins. And as far as trying to get, you know, keep the trust of the people, it's talking to them. I mean, we, we can keep saying this and keep saying it, but we need to get out, out into the community and talk to them and have them get to know us. Mm -hmm. And I'm fortunate also, as well in my community. We do have a lot of trust in our community. They treat us very well. We get the the occasional person that doesn't trust the police for whatever reason, but knock on wood, right now it's it's not prevalent at all. Mm -hmm. so. It's working. Yeah. Yeah. Chief Fitzgerald. I think we're the same on this all on the same lines, and I think where we are at right now is we do have that robust uh, system, as mm -hmm. the chief talked about uh, uh, since he came in, and, and him and I worked together on it. So I, I think we you know we have that trust with the uh, community. And uh, it, it, it's all about trying to interact as, as much as we can. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Chief Francis, you talked about mental health issues earlier and mm -hmm. that you have this, uh, these people that you work yes. with. Um, and there's been an increase, it seems, um, uh, in, in issues with mental health. At least we're hearing about it more um, mm -hmm. and how, to, how police officers are, are approaching uh, folks with mental health and working with them um, to de-escalate. And uh, have have you seen over the time that you of your careers? I mean, spanning thirty years, you know, twenty five, sure. twenty seven yeah. years, thirty years. Um, is there something that you've really noticed in the last several years that have, has become a problem, or a public health issue, or a public safety issue? I think we've had a lot more instances of mental health issues that we're dealing with, and I think. It's, it's important for all of us to work together and with the clinicians like we're doing now. I, we're learning a lot. I, like, again, I've been doing this since 1995 and every day I come to work and I learn. I mean, 
and we, there are more and more trainings and what have you to learn how to de-escalate situations, mental health situations, um, we're learning. And I will continue to learn in that area. And, but it is nice to have the clinicians that are working with us because they're a phone call away. Right, yeah. and also yeah. the, the relationships that you have Correct. together. Uh, Chief Fitzgerald? Um, you know, fortunately enough, uh, uh, we ha now have this, this system w for the uh, mental health and uh, mm -hmm. us in Manchester, and Chief Conley and I started this years ago, is all our full-time officers are critical incident trained. And we were able to take what they call the One Mind uh, Pledge through the International Chiefs of Police Association and be recognized uh, for that. And we had to do, you know, uh, three things, which all tra training, uh, a, a policy and procedure on mental health, and um, um, uh, what was the third one we had to do? Uh, we also had to... It had to be supervisor training. Supervisor training. It had yeah. to have a higher level yeah. of training of how do we deal with people with mental illness. Yeah. I'll tell you, Maureen, this is something that I'm really proud about in my profession, you know, in our profession, is uh, we can't sit around and wait for other agencies to step up and, and address problems. Please take a leadership role in the community. We just do. Whether we think it's our job or not, when, when we have a position in the community that we can use for good, right? We can use that leverage for good. When police officer calls, People usually pick up the phone, right? And what we found is, and what we've all known, is that police are excellent at handling acute situations. You know, it's a robbery, a motor vehicle accident. We get in there, we, we, we handle the immediate situation, we clear the scene, and we're off to the next call. What we're not really good at is the chronic long-term follow-up that a lot mm -hmm. of these problems, whether it's addiction, mental health, homelessness, yeah. they all require that. And typically when we meet somebody who's in crisis, they have part of that circle overlapping in their lives. They're homeless. They have a mental yeah. health issue, they have addiction. And so right. what, what Chief Francis was talking about in our partnerships with trained mental health therapists who now, you know, we share it, but we're hopefully going to expand that to have actually embedded mm -hmm. services. Tito Rodriguez here in Gloucester, who, you know, comes in and we work hand to hand, he walks into the police department. That never would have happened, you know, even 10 years ago. Right. You know, like, no, Who's this guy? This is a civilian, yeah. you know? Yeah. But we partner and we leverage each other to accomplish, to solve mm -hmm. these problems. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, these embedded chronic issues that lots of communities have, um, and you know, it sounds like the police departments are working towards that greater understanding of the of um, doing that. And and does Manchester and Essex have anything similar to the PARI program? I mean, I, uh, are you do you have approaches, for, for instance, where you're not well in Manchester? We developed just recently developed a, a, a outreach team in. Which we're on, we're which where you know Essex is is, is involved. In. There's Manchester officers and Essex officers, mm -hmm. along with the mental health people, that if we do uh, get notification of someone that's in crisis or or, or in um, need of uh, help for addiction, we will reach out to them and uh, you know offer services as best we can. What we'll do in a situation like that is if someone hasn't say somebody overdoses in one community, but they're from our community, for instance. One of my offices and one of Chief yeah. Fitzgerald's offices will go and talk to them and offer them services. And it's not going as an enforcement mm -hmm. um, realm, if you will. It's just talking to them and trying to offer them services because we understand. I, I, I'll be perfectly honest with you. When I first got on this job, I, I was mm, hesitant, skeptical, to be honest with you. And the more I did the job and the more I realized, you know what, they're just people like us that for whatever reason have something happened and they have a substance use disorder that they're dealing with and 
when you start to look at it like that and think about it in a more humane, human, humane right. manner, you want to help those people. And mm -hmm. I think that's what we're doing with this collaboration. And we're also doing the Essex County. There's a database Correct. that yep. we're involved in, too. That's the Essex County Police Department. So we have a database that that sort of thing gets entered. And, Chief, you can probably speak what, to What does that, that entail? So it's, it's, it's a recognition that overdose doesn't follow jurisdictional lines. You know, they're not, it's not, you know, it's, I guess it would be easier if it did, but it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So there could be a resident from Gloucester who has an overdose in Essex, and I right. may not know about that, but yeah. now with our new data system, I would, or someone in my department would receive an email, and we, we found uh, that just simply going and doing a door knock and giving, meeting that, you know, addict where they're at in their recovery mm -hmm. and giving them some information is, has a great impact and reduces the chance that they'll OD, OD again. And so this is part of that whole follow-up piece. Correct. Yes, correct. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, well, police officers are oftentimes the first on the scene. Correct. And um, what it, what is that like for all of you, if I could ask, like your experience of being a police officer and being the first on the scene and engaging with folks because uh, oftentimes you're meeting people not at their best, hmm. right? Correct. Chief Fitzgerald? I mean, I think for us it's... Uh, well, for me, anyway, it's, it's your training kicks in. And, uh, you know, depending on the situation, depending on what type of crisis you're, you're dealing with, uh, for me, uh, I've you know, been, been, been able to ha handle that and uh, rely on what I've been trained to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's, you know, it's pretty easy to. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, it's a great opportunity. It's an opportunity. You know, what's, what happens when you arrive on scene is you have an opportunity to impact that person's life, you know, one way or the other. And even if it's a negative outcome for one person, it may turn into another, mm -hmm. a positive outcome for somebody else mm -hmm. in that same situation. So I think that's part of the job that most police officers uh, enjoy, feeling they can make a difference. Right. The flip side of that is many times those people influence, you know, or have an impact on our lives. Mm -hmm. Can you Whether tell us a story about that? Uh, yeah, actually I do have one. I, um, Many years ago when I was on Midnights, I had made an operating under the influence of alcohol arrest. And the gentleman was kind of down on his luck and what have you. And there was a situation with a family member that I had to help with while he was being processed. Um, fast forward five years down the road, I'm doing traffic enforcement on Main Street in Essex. And I looked across the street and I see this gentleman get out of a car and he looked familiar, but I wasn't quite sure who it was. Um, and he came up to my police car and he started talking to me and he said, you're Officer Francis, aren't you? I said, yeah, I don't recall who you are. And he told me who he was and he looked at me and he said, you know something, that night you changed my life. I have not had a drink since. And I mean, what you talk about an impact. And once again, another story where it made me feel as though, you know what, I made the right choice. We can't affect that sort of change in everybody, mm -hmm. but it's nice to know that you, you do affect that change, sort yeah, of change yeah. in people. It's, it's so important. Well, that's yeah. all the time that we have. Uh, believe it or not, we're out. <laughs> um, uh, Chief Paul Francis, Chief Todd Fitzgerald, and Chief Ed Connolly of Gloucester and Manchester and Essex, um, thank you all for being on Cape Ann Report and talking about issues and um, and what it's and congratulations on being the new chiefs thank on Cape Ann and good luck with all your work and your future endeavors. Thank you. Very um, much. Until the next time on Cape Ann Report, uh, we hope to see you again. Check us out on social media. And I'm Maureen Aylward. Thank you for tuning in.